G'day guys and welcome to the round 22 episode of What Are The Odds? This week on the pod, backed by popular demand and due to another upset riddled week, we asked the question, did your club suffer a bad beat or did they have a massive collect? I'm going to channel some big Baz energy and bust open the Melbourne myth and Baz, as always, will be dropping truth bombs and spiking everything with his bona fide barrel spice. And of course, there's our Round 22 preview and our feature bets for the weekend, which are back in the black after a massive Round 21. But first, shout-outs to our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel, corner of Language Road and Punt Road in Abbotsford. Not many weeks before you left, so make sure you bank them all up. We've told you the games to miss throughout the year, so you should have a roundabout 20, 25 brownie points nights to just go and say, sorry, I was going to do that, but you know what? I did this for you back in round 16. Now I can watch the footy with the boys or the girls down at the Yorkshire Hotel. Do it. Don't feel bad. This is the time of year where you don't want to miss out on too much footy. All right. Bad beats or massive collects, Baz. What a weekend it was. What a month of footy it's been. It's been crazy, crazy stuff. It has been, but it's been making us a bit of money, so it's good. And it keeps us interested when it comes finals time because things that have gone the way they should have, top eight would be locked and we'll be... Sitting here going, well, what's the point of having the last two games? And that'll be everything in the media was all oh, this season. You know, the, the top eight's already set, poor football, but, you know, it's pretty pretty interesting. There's still probably four or five teams that can make it or miss out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just makes it a bit more interesting footy. And it's good for us Melbourne haters, really. It's, oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's what we're all about, I think. So, anyway, it's, I'm loving it at the moment. I'm enjoying watching a lot of footy, so it's good. Yeah, and just nice to see, you know, the mainstream media finally catch up. I think we officially jumped off the bandwagon in about round two or three, and uh, they finally got there in round 20. It was soon. their Hawthorne loss. We both went, that's it. That's them done for the mm. year. And we started jumping off their bandwagon as a punting perspective, but we've made some money on them as well throughout the year, and... You know, we tipped. I think we pretty much in the end tipped Sydney last week. Just you know, we said that Melbourne should win, but for the pure fact that Melbourne are about top eight sides, and again, all top nine sides now, and they, and they haven't. And for all those people coming out with uh, the stats about Collingwood, now I'm a, as you know, I'm a Collingwood man. We beat Adelaide in the top eight. We beat North in the top eight. We beat Melbourne in the top eight. So for that stat floating about, just pull your heads in a bit, as Melbourne has actually not beaten any top nine team while they've been in the top mm. nine when they've played them. So, you know, pull your heads in. Hey, don't tweak your stats just to prove your point. Give us the real stats. Give us the real story. Don't lie to us. We're jumping the shark a little bit because we'll get to a massive Melbourne rant that I have baked up over the week. But first off, we mentioned Hawthorne. They are now the new media favourites. So, was the Hawthorne victory of 10-11-71 defeating Geelong 8-12-60 a bad beat for Geelong or a massive collect for Hawthorne? Well, it's a good click for Hawthorns and they make finals this year, which you know, probably start of the year you wouldn't have thought they would have. And it's bad for Geelong. Make finals, Baz. Uh, I do believe they are now Premiership favourites after oh. their amazing win on the weekend. Yeah, everyone's jumped on their bandwagon. The, every three or four weeks, the team gets jumped on the beat Richmond. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, if if anyone doesn't win the play this year but Richmond, it's because Richmond have butchered it themselves mentally or whatever. Because they're that far better team than anyone in the AFL at the moment due to injuries. All these teams are, you know, yeah. copping injury suspensions and everyone's falling over at the moment. Yes, Hawthorne are running into the right form at the right time, but, I mean, let's be honest, look at their list, their team. And I know I've said this probably the last, well, at least Western Bulldogs year, but you know, last year when you look back on it, like, the body of work at Richmond put together was pretty good. There's just, you know, a lot of bias, like myself. But also, Adelaide... 
choked the granny. Yeah. Like, you look at the stats throughout the year, Adelaide should have turned up and been like, we're the better team, and won in a kind of close grand final. Instead, they've spent too much time trying to pose and posterize, and they got thumped. Now, this year, Richmond are in that Adelaide spot. Will they get to the granny, be arrogant all through granny week, and stuff it up? We don't know. We but, can't predict yeah. the future. But they're the team to beat. Yeah. And we just... We're just pretending if people say it's the Hawks or it's yeah. the Giants or Hawks, it's West Coast well, or it's... Still for me, I reckon, you know, West Coast and Giants, if injuries permitting, are mm. still the, the teams that can challenge them. But there's no chance in, in, you know, there's no way Hawthorne are anywhere near Richmond. I don't care what you say. I know Alistair Clarkson's a great coach, but they don't have their list, their list depth. And, you know, they've got some quality players, don't get me wrong, but... They're nowhere near Richmond. And they're, they're, they've just had a really good draw and I've been a bit lucky with their draw, I suppose, to, that they're in a position they're in. And we, you know, at Byram, we said there was a couple of teams that had really good draws and two of them we spoke about heavily were Hawthorne and Port. And I said to you that Port you know, had a gun draw and should finish top four, but you know, they've cost themselves. And Hawthorne was the other team, I said, and you know, look how they're going. And you know, we spoke about Geelong last week. You should be concentrating on making the finals first and not talking up your team and getting them all set for... like. He obviously like built them up for a Richmond game, and I still believe this is something we can be on here. And I've I've been jumping on it all year, and it's been pretty beneficial for my tipping. Is if a team gets up, you know, mentally and, and built themselves up for a big game, you watch them, they fall away a bit the next week, and that's what Geelong did. They, they struggled to score again. They got to decide whether they're attacking or a, or a defending team, and yeah, they just couldn't. Uh, I, know, I know it was not great conditions, but yeah. They, to be honest, they're lucky they got that close in the end. Yeah. And so this is the another thing to straighten out from the mainstream media is the Gary Ablett bashing. So you look at that game, they were lucky to get there, and everyone says, everyone's pulled out from the three major TV shows this one phase of play towards the end where apparently Ablett didn't chase back hard enough against his direct opponent. Yeah. One, yeah, so what did the rest of the 17 blokes do who are also on that team yeah. letting their three blokes go? Is he meant to chase the whole length of the field? He's playing forward midfield at that time. What was his stats for that game? Oh, he kicked three goals one for the highest goal scorer of that game. So he's obviously playing more time forward. So it's probably not reasonable to expect him to lose a, like his team to lose the stoppage contest yeah. and him to run from 50 to 50 as a bloody mid-30-year-old against some whippersnapper in Warpaw or Mira. But, like, is he being lazy, according to uh, old Billy Brownless? Well, what did he have that game? He had 32 disposals, second best on the ground at 71%, the best efficiency for any player above 20 disposals. He had 15 contested for second best on the ground. He laid eight tackles for third best on the ground, and he had five clearances, proving that he does go get his own ball and work on the inside. Anyone who's kind of going to blame that, blame Gary or Paddy or Selwood and then the other one player that steps up for Geelong each week, whether that's Hawkins, whether that's Mangola or Kelly or whatever, but they have the three core blokes and one other stand up, and the rest just get carried. It's time to put the the blowtorch on the on the guys getting carried, not on this superstar. Or on who's, the- if he wasn't injured or didn't man- get managed, he'd be, he'd be a lock for for all Australian again. Yeah, look, look Gary Ablett's uh, probably a victim. He's, and I've heard a few people say this as well, but we're sticking up for him. He's, we've seen him at, at, at his best, mm. and we're seeing him now, and it's a bit like Dusty at the moment. Like people are saying, "Oh, Dusty's having an average year," but look at his stats. If, if it wasn't for last year, he'd be yeah. This would be this would be an amazing year. Yeah. So I think just the media has calmed down. And just you know, celebrate the man for what he is, and like I said, you kept him drawing in the game pretty much. And yeah, you need to like you say the other seventeen blokes, rather than even twenty blokes, you got to stand up. But I'd I'd be very uh, critical of Geelong's. 
recruitment and you know, coaching style and way they're going about it because they're not a they haven't set up to play their best football with the players they've got I, I, I don't believe and that's you know, we've seen them change three or four times throughout the year their game styles and they stuck to one for a while and it proved successful but they weren't scoring enough and missed allowed for these sorts of games where if a team got the jump on them which happened against Essendon they found, they found it very hard to get back into the game because they, they're not going to score a lot so a bit like Freeman or Fusio like if they, they wanted to make it a 60-70 point game each but it also meant they were beatable and yet then you see late, like the last few games they've opened the games up but that also means they're getting scored heavily against and again they're not really they're not winning more games than they're losing so I think there's lack of organisation at Geelong and their coaching staff and obviously the recruitment because they've going out and recruited all these blokes which means they're giving up draft picks in the first round they haven't got the, you know, the depth in got a few injury problems you know Cockatoo's out and you know half it's been in and out and a few other blokes and you know Narkel who's shown a lot but again he's been out injured recently so you know they just got to see their list out because like, I think they're in a bit of strife if they, especially if they miss the finals this year like then Geelong have got to decide what they're going to do with Ablett and a few others and whether they go back to the draft which is probably a good year to do it or yeah, where they have another one more shot, and then you know, then they're really gonna because mm. they, they would have given up, you know, something to get Henderson and stuff like that as well. So they've given up a fair bit lately to top up, and it's they're no closer to winning a flag. Yeah, and I suppose that's the problem. You got to work out where you're at, and then for them, is it worth being? Do we want to finish fourth each year, playing a prelim and not make it? Should we drop down to fifth to eighth? Maybe go out in the elimination or or a semi final, but then top up our juniors, and then the next year go back to the prelim or the granny. I think they need, yeah, they need to probably go down down a bracket to kind of rebuild and blood, so they can go back up a bracket. Yep. But the, but the days of like a massive rebuild are gone. Like you don't want to end up down the Carlton St Kilda Gold Coast bracket because no. you'll never make it out. It's yep. a, it's a vortex. Yep. But for them, they've got enough talent around to be like, let's go one. The one step back to go two steps forward, coaching Malaki. I was, I was talking to a, a, a parent actually, who, for you are uh, journalists out there, you know, I actually do credit blokes who I get um, information from, unlock some in the media. I was to a parent, he's like, yeah, it must be hard for teams like Geelong and Sydney and stuff like that who have made final series eight, nine years in a row, even more, because they, they start pre-season later, they get into the mm. season later and stuff like that. So, and it takes an effect on the body, especially blokes like, you know, like a Kennedy or a a salad and stuff like that because they've played you know, a lot of hard games for longer periods so it might even be good for them to miss a, miss a season of finals just and get the, that first round draft pick a bit higher go back to the draft and let a few of those old boys uh, you know recruit. have a bit of break yeah, yeah. spend right. some time with the kiddies in Bali alright second bad beat or massive collect was of course Port and West Coast Port 9 goals 4 58 were defeated by West Coast with another after the siren kick Nine goals, eight sixty-two. Bad beat or massive clip, Baz? Or well, massive clip for us because we tipped West Coast. Correct. Ching. Uh, Port played the usual stuff. But when they were when they were dominating that first quarter, I was like, "This is the best case scenario for our bet." They are going to waste their full fifteen, a lot of fifteen minutes of good footy in one chunk at the start of the game, and then West Coast has three quarters to catch up, and they had just enough. Yeah. The handicapper did it just right to make that horse race interesting, yeah. and uh, West Coast won by a nose at they, the very end. They were dominating that first quarter, and I, I sat there going, this, the score on a quarter time, I was like, this is good for West Coast. And even when they got out to, I think it was probably early third quarter, they got out to nearly 30-odd points. It was 50-something to uh, about 28, I think it was. So it was about 30 points. 
And you know, West Coast then kicked two quick goals, and you could see that they were coming, and and, and Port were fading, but they, they just struggled forward so mm. badly. And like we've been talking about it all year, really, that their four line just struggles, and they can't kick enough goals, and they're getting more inside fifties now, but they're still struggling to kick scores. And you know, Wingard's playing in the middle, so they're missing him forward, and you know, Gray can't do it all himself. And then they cop some bad injuries, so it was uh, Ryder went down again, and he probably won't play this week. Dixon's out for the season now. West Coast should have won that game by a lot more, I reckon. Like they they had. They dominated the inside fifties, especially from the you know midway through the second quarter. But they really missed a, a target, and they wasted this opportunities going forward. They butchered the footy a bit, and the uh, old old uh, Portland umpiring fraternity turned up for some of the decisions. But that was probably me being biased, had money on the game. But Porter learned a struggle now. Like Collingwood should really beat them this Saturday. Mm. Should really beat them. Like looking at both teams even though we're struggling for backmen like their four lines probably not that dangerous and yeah they're, like, they're, they're in real strife and missing out yeah and the media will point to two sides of the story they'll either say that Port's been really unlucky or they're a bunch of chokers which I did say as well last week Port have lost uh, four of their last five games by an average margin of just ten points but the real story there is what you alluded to with Geelong if you play a style so Port are the number one defensive team in terms of inside 50s allowed they play a 60-70 style game. They play the they play the Freo style game of old. They play the current Geelong game. Now it's the Port game under Hinckley. But if you only can score 70, you means that most teams in the comp can also score 70. Yeah. So you're just really back it on not making any mistakes. And if you make one mistake or two mistakes, then you allow the media to come out and do the whole, let's grab a three-minute clip and prove how ridiculous you are. And then it all kind of confides together. So... Yeah, you need obviously defense is great. It's a good way to build something, but Port have been stuck in this system for about four to five years now, and they need to go on and you know get a Charlie Dixon to become a, a goal scoring jet, or find a, another key, or or just play small. And maybe I think we'll find this week they actually are better going forward because they go, you know what, Robbie Gray, you just go do you now. Yeah. Like, we don't need it all. Let's have let's have Robbie do some stuff. Uh, Robbie let's Gray have, and Wingard yeah. forward, and you know, and then maybe even Sandra or something like that, and we're going to probably struggle, like, you know, because we don't have enough small. Hmm. With that injury depleted in our in our forward and back our back line, sorry, with talls and smalls, that yeah, I, I just don't think someone like Robbie Gray could tear us apart. Mm. And, but then it bring, brings back to the midfield. Our midfield should get on top, and they're a very good contested midfield. They're they're a very good tackling team. And I think that's a style they play. And is you know I don't, I don't think it's necessarily defensive. It's just it's a bit. It's almost a bit like Sydney, where they want contested foot. They want stoppage, stoppage, stoppage. Get the ball in that sort of thing, but. I think they do need to open it up a bit and, you know, they're probably going to lose with a couple of players at the end of the year because Norfolk chased them a big cash. Yeah, interesting times ahead for Port. Yeah, there's some interesting teams in that 5 to 11 bracket where they're going to work out who are we, what do we want to do in the next two or three years. And then, yeah. Yeah, it could be a very interesting year with a, with a fat draft and plenty of decent free agents. Yeah. Will be a very exciting October, methinks. Third game of interest was North Melbourne versus the Doggies. Another massive collect for the boys. Baz picked it off the bat. Just pure stats. Shout out to the Swamp. You know, all games within four points. And shout out to the guys at the pubs who say that North's going to smash them because they're much better than the Doggies. You were <laughs> proved wrong. 12, 13, 85 played. 13, 14, 92. It's not even a question. This was a massive bad beat for North. And rerun that tape, ladies and gents. All the way back to mid-year, Baz pointed it out on his crystal ball, the ruse fade late and they're fading late. They've faded out of the finals now. You have become confunctious. 
They're, all their best players all year have been the older blokes. Mm. So Higgins went for surgery. He's obviously carrying a few knocks. Cainton, all those sorts of blokes. Zeebel is missing this game. They're, they're all, you know, they're getting to the end of the year. They're going to, most of them have played a majority of games. They're going to start getting sore and slower and, and, you know, they're carrying a few injuries. And the younger blokes aren't stepping up for North and they haven't been all year. So I saw this happening from a long way out, which, you know, predicted. And it happened again on the weekend where they just, they just got out. Their work rate was missing. They just got out hunted by a hungry dog side. And the dog's game, I tipped the doggy, so, you know, you all heard it here last week. The doggy's game style is pretty, pretty hard for North to defend the way they want to play. They want teams to kick long. And they got that in the first quarter and a half. But when the doggy started using the handball more and using the hit-ups and stuff and, you know, Tori Dixon went to Madjack and tried to drag up the ground. They had no answer for that. They wanted, they, like a couple weeks ago against West Coast, West Coast were playing in their hands by kicking it long down the line because they've got the big, tall intercept marks to just peel off and do it. Same with Melbourne against Sydney on the weekend. They just kept kicking it in and Haney and, and Aaliyah Aaliyah were having a, a day out just feasting on those balls. As soon as you start lowering your eyes and hitting up, the, hitting up targets and moving the ball quickly, they, they negates that and they've got no plan B. Mm. So... Well done, the doggies. And also, if you look out through the year, the doggies have two or three week ways. So they're really good, play good footy, win, win some games you're not expecting to win, they drop off. And, you know, if they were playing anyone else but Carlton, I probably would say they'd drop off this week. But they're playing Carlton, so they'll probably get up. But uh, then they've got Richmond. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, they're travelling all right. They're a young team. They've got a long way to come. And, you know, if they all stick together and the coach is right, then they're, they're going to be pretty handy in a year or two. As North, I think they've still got a long way to fall before they... Yeah, and as much as we say, I don't like bashing blokes because they're old or whatever, but this year has shown that those guys, they're good, they're good players and they're, they're great for North, but they're not that absolute A-graders. So it's not like having a Dangerfield Selwood Ablett, which will cop if they're above the, the 30-year-old threshold, because they're brilliant medalists. They're absolute guns. Yeah. They're, their A-graders aren't A-graders. No. So, you're, so you've got this position in your in your list where you've got six or seven 30 plus year olds and they're not they're taking a spot off someone you can develop that's the difference yeah. they're not they're not warranting their spot they're doing a great job for them but they are a team that's going to finish 12th or 11th I compare them very very closely to St Kilda mm. St Kilda relied on their, their older talent getting them through and last year the last two left and look at them this year and the wheels they, fall off they don't have the depth they don't have the talent they don't have any standard A graders on their list that are you know 21 20 19, 22, and they're very much in the same boat with St Kilda where you just look and go, geez, like, they, they could they could go very, very far down if they don't do some creative uh, drafting and stuff this year because, yeah, they could really fall away. So, it's just, you just got to be a bit more open-minded about things and that's probably, you know, if, oh, probably we're bashing the media a bit this year, but if they actually did stuff like this and looked into things instead of saying Hawthorne's the flag and, People might be a bit more interested in footy and stuff like that instead of all the, the bashing of the greats going on and you know a bit more in-depth looks at, at footy clubs and what's actually making stories instead of uh, the easy the easy way out of bashing the game or bashing greats. and Headline hunting. Last game of the week was the most talked about. We'll mention Sydney first because, as I mentioned, I've got a massive Melbourne rant. To join the media masses, why not? Let's have some fun. But first off, was it a bad beat or a massive collect? Because... Sydney were well thrown to the, thrown to the wolves a couple of weeks ago. Too many injuries, too old, too slow, game plan not good enough. Longmire must have been sitting in his ivory tower up in Sydney being like, you guys are fools. Do you know who I am? Do you know who we've got? 
don't don't say Sydney's not in with a chance. And they came out and they just played. It sounds very simple. It sounds like almost too cliche to be true, but they definitely played like their season was on the line, and they do that. Like they're the one team that I think actually the game should have been over does a quarter it. time though. Absolutely, Melbourne should have had the game iced a quarter time, definitely done by half time. Mm. But they didn't take their opportunities. They choked a little bit. They missed easy shots in front of goal, and then all of a sudden they just they just went backwards. They just, some decision making was just outrageous, especially that last quarter. Like um, you know Clayton Oliver and Nathan Jones just making. Decisions like, especially Nathan Jones, I actually rate him as a footballer, and I think he's a very, very good footballer. He went back across half back, and he's not known for his kicking. He's known for his hardest and ball getting ability. And obviously, they were trying, I don't know what they were trying to do, but he went back across half back, and he just butchered the footy a bit. He made a couple of really bad mistakes, and you know, there was a contest in that last quarter where the kick got went in. It was three Melbourne blokes, and all one of them had to do was go win the footy. There's both, all, three of them all stood there and watched it. Ball bounced Sydney's way, went down the end for the goal. I think it was the only goal of the game. Or it might have been a bit earlier. It was a scoring shot, but and they just like they played in Sydney's hands. I think I reckon if you went back, I've watched Sydney like now the last two weeks. I reckon if you go back and see when they're getting beaten, it was when teams were hitting up, hitting up, hitting up, using their hands, breaking through that like little cluster pressure zone of their inside mids, and they weren't allowing a Lear, a Lear and stuff like that to and Heaney who great at it just to take intercept marks pretty much almost uncontested. And so Ali Ali makes sense because he's giant. It's very hard to compete with him contested. If you're a key forward, like how does Jesse Hogan not take a mark over Isaac Heaney? I know Isaac Heaney literally jumped on his head for one of them. That's just, and so I give, that's him, I give, him, a, I give him a pass. Yeah, Heaney's, Heaney's playing in the forward line as a defender almost. Like doing, playing in the defensive line as a forward. That's why he's taking those grabs. No, but like all, all Hogan, I reckon, if you watch it again, Hogan, all he had to do was... It was a good lead. The kick wasn't great, high. No. but all, all he had to do is like just stop a little bit. Before. If he had a seen off the boot, the ball was obviously going to go over his head. If he had a propped himself, like probably I don't know, the ball was probably four or five meters away. If he had a propped himself, just stopped the touch in his run, he probably would have fell into the back of him mm. or gone too early for that mark. But he he kept running underneath it, so it's just you know he's a great forward. He's you know he should be playing there more often, but it's probably you know. The difference between him and probably, I don't know, someone like a, a Robbie Gray or someone who's a really good four, like a Buddy Franklin, they would probably would have propped and seen it going over the head, propped. Would have got a free kick as Isaac Haney probably would have run into the back of him or jump, try to jump over the top of him and gone missed the footy. And they, or they probably would have got over the back and walked into an easy yeah. goal. So it didn't help. That, like I said, the kick wasn't great. But, you know, they got now he's out for the year and a few other little things going not going their way and I mean this this week's game against West Coast is massive absolutely so we'll jump back to Sydney just for a second though are they any shot at going deep into September still, or are these just like classic dogged Sydney wins but really it's paper over the cracks for I think it's, I, I still think it's paper over the cracks like we know they get, they're a good side and they're honest and everything but they rely heavily on Buddy like Buddy was influential again and he played a bit higher up the ground so whether they've been saving him the last few weeks to just getting through, getting through to push up higher. And, you know, just some of the um, Melbourne defending, it was highlighted on Footy Classified and a few other shows, like around the stoppages in the 450. How can you give Papley that much space? Like, again, I don't know, I'll probably do this probably too much, but when I spoke to one and on Monday night about a few times that the opposition got on the flight stoppages, it gets spoken about at that level. Stand in their way, don't let them run at the footy, like, and don't give them that space to do that. Like, just simple stuff like that. And, like, obviously, Gorm was dominating the ruck, but Sydney's kept sharking it and won, you know, we're doing really well around the stoppages and won 
the hard ball. So yeah, their, their inside mids had a good game and Melbourne went missing in the second half because really, you look at the stats, you watch the game first half, Melbourne should have asked it. Now, you mentioned that. You said look at the stats and that's what I did. And so the whole media narrative this week has been about how Melbourne aren't mentally tough enough to win games against the top nine, that they the main reason they lose games is their goal kicking. And yes, they're all, I think, factors. But if you dig deeper than just headline hunting facts like that, you actually see there's something significantly wrong with Melbourne, their coaching style and their game style and just their general structures. So a bit of a myth-busting going on right now. So these are the things that are being brought up this week in the media. Melbourne's top nine woes is between the ears. That's a yes-no, but mostly wrong. Melbourne's woes are because they are missing Lever. That's absolute junk. They were playing They were playing the same way when he was there. They play the same way now. And Lever did nothing defensively, like you just mentioned. He wouldn't have stopped a guy running in. He wouldn't have covered the hole. He, That's not their problem. He, his best couple weeks of football against Western Brooks and Kilda and Carlton. Hmm. And everyone was like, oh, Lever's back. No, it's because you're playing crap teams and have a forward for you to play on. You were able to do what you wanted. Exactly. They said that Melbourne's woes are because they skipped their preseason camp. Maybe it gets some insight into what their mentor for Julia's life, but that's absolutely wrong as well. And they also say that Melbourne's stats suggest that they should be winning games against the top nine sides. That's wrong because you include the games they play against teams that aren't in the top nine. And so they fudge their stats, they get massive blowouts because they're an ultra-aggressive team. That's fine, but it doesn't cut the mustard when it comes to the good teams, and especially in September. And so now everyone's still saying, despite getting absolutely smashed by top nine sides this year, 0-7, 0-7, that they're still going to be doing damage and going all the way to the prelim, and maybe even challenging Richmond for the flag, which is an absolute joke. So Barrel next to me, he jumped off the Melbourne bandwagon at the start of the year and said that for a one good reason, and the reason was Melbourne aren't that good. We did a podcast about two months ago saying which teams were Plan A teams, which teams are multidimensional, which teams had no idea. Melbourne is a classic Plan A team. What's their plan? They win the footy at the source, they run and gun, they blast kick it forward, they get bulk shotgun scattered location inside 50s, and they try and score big, but they have no defence. It's been poor all season. They're seventh for shots against. They give up the fourth best shots in the league, and they're the 10th worst defence in the comp. That's not good enough to make the top nine because you have to be in the top eight or top nine defensive units and be amazing in attack. And they're neither against the good sides. What are the five pillars of footy? Super coach Baz in the ammo has been telling you all year. You've got to work hard off the footy. You've got to be clean with the ball. You've got to be smart and efficient going inside 50. You've got to kick straight at goal. And you've got to turn your marks inside 50 into goals. Against bottom nine sides, Melbourne do this in an average way and rely on heavy inside 50s. And against top nine sides, they are putrid. For those five pillars, they are only evens. They break even with the worst teams in the comp in the five pillars of good footy. Against top nine sides, this is how their KPIs stack up. They're minus 20 in uncontested marks, proving they do not work off the ball. They turn the ball over 10% more often than their opposition, so they're not good under pressure. They're 12% less effective inside 50, so they're done with the footy when they actually get a chance. And they don't use their fist inside 50s. They're not efficient going forward. They are 12% less accurate at goal. Only they turn 29% less of their marks inside 50 into goals, so they're not clutch. They can't handle the big moments, and their set shot maybe their set shot techniques also up the duff as well. But that's their five pillars. If you can't do that, it's more than goal kicking. It's more than mental fragility. Melbourne as a club, as a structure, as a game plan their list, their personnel, their coach, their culture, they are capital P pretenders. 
So sort your pillars out before you try and come and build a premiership campaign. People say you're contenders. You're barely pretenders, Melbourne. Cop that. Whack. There you go. Watch them come out and win by 10 goals this <laughs> week. And absolutely make us look dickheads. But yeah, I agree with you there. Like, yeah, they're not good enough. They're a plan A team. They have one way and one way only. They've got a few injuries now, which is really hurting them. And yeah, I, I, I still don't think they're good enough. And they've got all the talent in the world, but I, I've, I think I've said it probably twice now this year, Goodwin is not the coach. No. And that's that's what I think anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll let you have your say. I think we've spoken enough about Melbourne tonight yeah. and probably throughout the year. <laughs> probably got no Melbourne supporters listening to us anymore, but... I didn't have it anyway. That was the weird thing about Sunday. I went there. Yes, it was a bit cold, it was a bit wet. Must have been a lot of snow at Hopkins. Oh, it was good though. snow though, yeah. Must good have been a lot of snow because there was no one there. I was like, you're playing for your finals and you didn't even show up yeah. to support your club. It's a good snow weekend, I think. Yeah, all right, Baz. Do you have any barreled spice for us this week? Don't have any spice, and like this probably will never get back to them, but. Uh, I had uh, Simon White and Brock McLean take under nine training tonight. And uh, look, I was, to be honest, I was a little bit apprehensive about it. Um, you know, former AFL players, how the boys would take it and how they'd go about it. But I, I've left training on a high tonight. And I, I reckon most of my playing group would have as well. It was really good, you know, giving the boys a chance to relax this week and train, tra- change training up a bit. And just the way they handled themselves and got around the boys was just awesome. You know, two great blokes and... Couldn't be happy with it, and I was, yeah, just want to send you know, I, I've thanked them enough tonight, I think, I think anyway, and just leave one out there that, you know, AFL players are human, They're most of them are really good blokes, and uh, most of them do give back to the community, like these blokes, you know, being finished for, well, Simon got delisted last year, and, you know, Brock's probably two years now, still happy to come and give back to the community when, you know, they, they don't get anything out of tonight, they just, just, you know, we asked them, they came down and off their own bat and did it, and it's just great for, Local food that people do that, you know, you see stories about Billy Gowers and Mason Cox and stuff. And again, just the media should be taking more notice of what the good things that they do instead of uh, hacking them down for a couple of bad things or missing a shot on goal or something. And yeah, just thanks to those two boys, it was really good. And I think the boys will get a lot out of it. I've got something out of it as well, which is really good that, you know, I'm actually relaying the right message and uh, stole a few drills. So it's good. Awesome. There you go. Bit of uh, mulled wine, bit of. Bit of spiced apple cider there. Happy, good, festive times there from the dear Baz. Back in the business now. The kitty check-in for round 21 was... Uh, we're back in the black, baby! We doubled your money, Jay-Z style, made a stack. The best thing about having some upsets and having some fragility in the market is that there's value to be had and we had that so we got GWS over Adelaide 124 for three bucks we had Carlton to score 61 and 75 at two dollars 88 we had West Coast to beat Port although it took them a very long time to do it at two dollars 75 and of course we had the doggies to beat North at 325 giving you 12 bucks from six bucks double your money but a bing but a boom we're in happy spirits and we're hitting form at the right time of the year so come with us Stay around for our best bets at the end of the pod and we'll hopefully get you some more winners this week. We start with our round 22 preview. Friday night footy is back with two big teams. Richmond are hosting Essen. The line here, 23 and a half. The Tiger train rolls on and they really have been blessed now. I know that you've been on board about it 
can they cop an injury? The answer is no, they can't. They've got pretty much a non-existent injury list. They're beating the teams that they should. They're scraping by. Luck's going their way. They got that Geelong win. Now it's pretty much cruisy. It's plain sailing until September. And then the real stuff begins for the Tigers. The Bombers, they're pretty much done. I think if you crunch enough numbers and do enough calculus, you could work out a way that Essendon could still possibly make finals. Baz, can the Bombers catch the Tigers napping and win by enough to keep their finals alive? No. No, they can't. No. It's simple answers, no, because Richmond won't allow their running gun style off halfback. Um, Hooker's probably out. You know, Goddard's probably out. Fantasia's probably is out, definitely. They kind of missed him a bit last week, but, you know, Tip and Woody played a ripper and a few other blokes stepped up, but they were only playing St Kilda. I don't rate them against the style of football Richmond play. They might get close, but Richmond, for me, should win. And, yeah, I... As far as I'm concerned, it's Essendon's season's done. Yeah, and not, yeah, there's been a bit of talk that you know they've only beat, they've only lost to Collingwood and Richmond since you know halfway mark of the season, blah blah blah. But when, look, look, look at they've come up against you. They've beaten Sydney, but you know I've spoken about Sydney already and a few other you know, teams around the mark. But they're the teams that have allowed their running gun off half back and. Uh, Richmond won't allow it because they haven't. They don't, that's not the style they play. They're back on. It's around lots of pressure from the Richmond forwards, and it will just cause them turnover kicks, which is what you want long down the line, or it'll, it'll stop their run and they'll be under pressure and they'll turn the footy over. So, for me, Richmond will be pr- pretty comfortable. We'll probably cover the line, and yeah, what should be a pretty. It would still be a good game, but I think Richmond definitely haven't covered. Yep. Are you all concerned about Richmond maybe arresting some players, doing some funky stuff? There were some stats run about that. Cochin's last kind of month of footy, he's had very limited minutes. Does that worry you, or does it just suggest that they can do it and then they need it? They need they can do it, win it pretty easily, and then be smart enough to make sure that all their guns are fresh come the week one of finals. I think they're they're good enough. I mean, we've seen throughout the year that they haven't been at a hundred percent and still able to win games of footy, whether by three or four goals or hang on by a kick. You know, a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, I think they're just too good. And they cruised through last week. You know, pretty much a training drill so yeah I think they'll be pretty fresh and ready to go and just do what they need to do and they got the doggies last round where they can do the resting stuff and I mean they're pretty much already going to finish top now anyway so it's a big game and I think for these sorts of games we can do get up for it and they want you know for their fans and stuff like that so they'll get like 80 or 70 80 odd thousand there I reckon you'd think so on a Friday night so you're going to pile any cash on this one or still leave this one alone no I'll leave this one alone there's, I think there's some more uh, money making opportunities to come there's always one money making opportunity when it comes to Richmond that is for them quarter. to win the last quarter you get Richmond by the win the last quarter by six and a half is paying the obligatory dollar ninety two some eight shapers Saturday one forty five yet again an important Saturday blockbuster has been hidden by the AFL in this ridiculously early slot. So uh, the crowd might be down because it's impossible to get to when they shut down all of the public transport around Melbourne on a Saturday. But you know that's by the by. Port Adelaide are just clutching onto eighth spot like a rock climber in a movie. They're ruining the missed opportunities. They've dropped out of the four and now it's. From all the talk of them finishing top four, it's will they even make finals? They need to deal with missing Dixon this week. They're going to be missing Ryder. And so I think for them, that possibly actually outweighs the injury list of Collingwood. Yes, Collingwood's injury list is long, but your depth of talent spreads quite deep amongst the whole squad. Port are reliant on a few blokes to step up, and two of them are obviously missing. My only concern here is that is Port going having to go small because of Dixon's absence actually an advantage for the power coming to this one. Yeah, they're going to miss Pollock, Ryder, Houston, uh, Dixon, 
and yeah, it's it's pretty four big outs. So they, they end up with no one on the bench. I'm pretty sure last week, four massive outs. Grundy should just absolutely tear up the ruck. Like our midfield, if our midfield wins, we win this because our forwards should be too smart, and too good for their defenders. defenders. My my big worry is like you said, and I think it's probably about four was uh, you know, does a wing guard or Robbie Gray get a hold of our non-existent defence? Because as much as they've got a non-existent forward line at the moment, especially Dixon out, our defence is pretty. You know, pretty bare. So it's going to be really come down to um, a bit like it was against Brisbane. I reckon our first, you know, first quarter we got smashed. Just our midfield wasn't winning the ball, wasn't putting enough pressure on up the ground. And we're just lucky they couldn't put us away early. And then we got into the game and we ran over the top of them. I'm pretty confident we're going to win here on Saturday. I reckon we could win big as well. Like I reckon this could, we could do a, a bit of a space job here. I'm pretty confident the line. I'm pretty confident almost the overs because I think we'll, you know, the brains will be around, so that's the only thing to stop me from going the overs. But I reckon, you know, Port 61 to 75 is definite uh, good bet as well for my, you know, my little margin markets that I like to do, my little total points scored. So we're looking into that and you'll probably hear a bit more about that later in the pod. But yeah, Colin for mine, our midfield's too strong, our four line's too smart, the goey back as well. Uh, yeah, I just think we should have enough talent over the port side to to, to you know, win this game pretty well. Yeah, and the stats back you up there on two accounts. So they're a very low-scoring team. They're ranked 14th for inside 50s, 18th for scores per inside 50, and 16th for points for in general. And kind of the number one disposal team, meaning that they don't have to waste a lot of energy trying to get the pill back off you to begin with, yeah. let alone trying to be efficient going forward. So... Although, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one with how the two teams stack up in terms of their injury lists. I reckon the Pies have have the edge here. If we, if we can get it to the outside, like we did for those periods against Richmond, because they're obviously very similar. They like to bring the ball in contested footy. If Grundy can dominate the ruck, which he should with no rider, and get it to the outside, we, we should run all over the top of them. So that's, I'm pretty confident we, we put them away. But last time I was pretty confident we lost Sydney. So, uh, yeah, anyway. There you go. So would you be taking Collingwood at the line or just leaving it more to the... Uh Total points bets. For I, I, I'd probably have a uh, total points bet, 61 to 75 for Port, maybe uh, 76 to 90 for Collingwood. The 16-point line does interest me. If the weather's good, I, I could almost go over 39.5. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm thinking at the moment. But there you go. as you know, I'm very sceptical about betting with my own team. You're correct, because it's hard enough to watch it for you, I think, on most yeah. days, let alone if you've got some money on it and lose that as well. So. Correct. Games that should be... Uh, Hidden away by the AFL is this following one. Geelong will be hosting Fremantle. The Batter Cats return to the Lux Kitty Litter of Kidinia Park. And Eva Softer Draw awaits them as their final two weeks will see them play Frio and the Gold Coast at home. Will Frio show up or will they play dead and become another feline plaything? Geelong win this. Don't care. The, look, this is this is one of those games where you're just like, meh. Like, I love Fremantle. I've said them, whatever. The line's like 51 and a half. Yeah. Uh, Fremantle, you know, have been... They been all right. They were all right. I mean, they they got smashed early by Carlton last week. I'm surprised Carlton went home at half time, and uh, they must have gotten the early flight because yeah, they were ordinary first half for and then they came home pretty hard and won pretty comfortably in the end. But I, they don't lose. The Ge- Geelong won't get. Yeah, Geelong should probably do a Brisbane job win by fifty sixty. Yep, and all the stats backed it up. Geelong struggle under pressure because they're a little bit slow out of the clearance. It's been their problem all year. What happened with Freo because they're the worst pressure and tackling team in the comp? Maybe equal worst with Gold Coast. 
Uh, they've had eight losses this season by 50 points or more, so they could be in for an absolute battering down at Cadinia. And the Cats will want to make sure they get some percentage-boosting wins just in case things get a bit weird amongst the other teams hunting for that last spot in the eight. But, uh, yeah, they'll be banking wins. The one that might interest me here from a betting perspective is that Frio have been pretty poor in the last quarter of games and Geelong have won 14 out of 20. So it's a big one, 14 and a half. Geelong to win the fourth by 14 and a half is two. Just in case you really want to watch this game and be interested in it. Otherwise, leave it alone, tip Geelong, and move on to the Battle of the Bridge. Speaking of hidden blockbusters, yet another interstate rivalry clash in the Twilight slot. It's on, not even on free-to-air. No one can watch it. It's going to get poor ratings. Everyone's going to say footy's broken. It's not broken. Just give this fixture the 7.35 Saturday night game it deserves. Not 4.35 where no one can get it because everyone's playing Ammo's footy or stuck doing family stuff or maybe having to do an Ikea trip on a weekend. Come on, AFL. Lift. All right. Giants are $1.71 favourites. Hosting the Sydney Swans, $2.15 outsiders. The line here is a slender. Six and a half points. The Giants... Have been crippled by injury yet again. Every year it's the same story. They get close to the to the precipice of becoming the premiership contenders at the AFL once, and then they are just riddled and riddled by injuries. But despite that, they've won nine of their last ten games. They're in huge form, and their depth goes all the way down to that 40th spot. The Swans uh, were devastated last week. Another serious knee injury to Alex Johnson. Shoutouts for just keep on trying on. You're a very inspirational bloke. And they managed to win the game for him for all intents and purposes. But this game should be a humdinger. Phil Davis on Lance Franklin. Dan Rampey on Jeremy Cameron. Absolute smashing clash. But who will be smiling at the Bondi recovery on Sunday? I'm not sure. I think GW's injury... Kelly's a massive out. Kelly's a massive out. That's the outside speed that they need to really put the swans to to the sword. They're missing a few now, I think. Sydney up and about, I just think that that injury list, even though GWS's record at Spotless is phenomenal, I'm just leaning towards Sydney. I reckon 139. I think the exact same bet we went last time, and it got us the cash, and they won by 16 points. And I just reckon Sydney 139, $2.80. Great value. Yeah, just the injury count for, even though, like, so Nick Smith's out now as well. They obviously lost Johnson, uh, you know, for both teams but I think the outs the quality of outs for GWS far outweigh the outs of quality for Sydney so like you got Cali and you know it's big short Heath Shaw is a massive one you know he's pretty much done for the year now as well so like yeah I just think the outs for uh, for GWS are massive so yeah, you add Reed to that Zach Williams will play in the in the NEFL as I'm, as I'm reading here but Sam Taylor's massive out no Ruckman, so that means, you know, uh, low pass to Ruck. Yeah, just, you look at their injury list, it's just littered with lots of talent that should be out there playing. It's a full AFL club. Yeah. That's that's almost 22 blokes that could play as their own team. There's a couple of teams like Collingwood and the same boat and, you know, um, and Port, obviously, just have massive injury lists and it's come, it's, then they catch up with them, or there's already catch up Port, it's catch up with us. And it's sooner or later it's going to catch up with... And the way it cuts up, not only because you're missing talent, but also makes it easier to negate the talent that's out there in their replacement. So, like, Lockie Whitfield's been amazing coming off half-back in replacements of other guys. But when you see that Shaw goes down, 
and suddenly you can put a negating forward yeah. on Whitfield. Yeah, it means he doesn't get freedom. Because there's no freedom and there's no one else for them to worry about. So it's like, cool, we can lock you down now and someone else has to do that job that they're not used to. So not only it's like, oh, we don't have X, Y, Z, it's like, oh no, the players we do have are going to get stifled as well. So I reckon Sydney here as well. And as a little kind of quirk, the last game this year in round three, the last battle of the bridge, the Swans lost the clearances, the inside 50s, and they had fewer tackles, but they still won. So like we saw against Melbourne, like I'm, if the Giants have a chance to put the Swans away and they don't take it, Sydney will definitely win. And Sydney just can stay in games. They, as we said, they're a good, honest club, they have great culture, and they know that if they just keep on keeping on, they'll stay in games and stay in long enough to to make it worthwhile. And $2.80 for a 1-39 win is pretty good value. All right, on at the same time on Saturday night will be Gold Coast versus Brisbane. One that you can kind of cash in as like a bank those brandy points with your significant others so you can watch more finals footy in weeks to come because uh, the 16th edition of Q Clash will not be must-watch TV. But Baz, surely this is a chance for the Lions to have some fun. Blowout warning, you reckon? Do you just get the feeling that oh, these games are, uh, tend to be a bit closer than you think? Okay. Brisbane been out for a long time. Like, like you know, they've, they've won their fair share. They've been close now for a few. You know, they've done their bit. Do you, do you see any chance in this being a, an upset? Like, so, you know, earlier this year, you know, Gold Coast won by five points. Gold Coast have actually won, you know, the last two in close ones. They, they, you know, they got beaten in the last year by a fair margin by Brisbane. But, you know, it's, these games are always close. I think there's only been one game where it's like hasn't really been a blowout. Like, even when they were a founding club, like they always managed to get up and about for this game. Do you reckon there's a slight chance that the Gold Coast could cause an upset here at home? All right, I reckon they could be because of this one quirk I found. So, the Gold Coast have not won at home this year yet. So, the last time that they had a winless home season was 2011, their first year in the competition. Yeah. So I think if you're looking for, like, weird kind of emotional get-up, let's-make-it-a-fortress-again type situations, yeah. this is the perfect situation. I just reckon that, yeah, Stewie will be setting up all week for this. Fagan, you know, they, they, obviously they've been up and about last week. They kind of dropped off a bit, but they fought out the game at the end, but Collingwood also took the foot off the pedal. Gold Coast are playing Geelong at Cadinia next week, so this is essentially their last chance for a win this season. I think I'm with you. I wouldn't be betting on it, but if you're trailing in your tipping competition, oh, no, I'll just get, maybe go Gold Coast. I just reckon Gold Coast is just a, a sneaky chance. Even even if you took the line, line's 27.5 or something like either team under 15.5, I just reckon, yeah, there could be a, a sneaky little... Brisbane might just rock up thinking they got this game won. Mm-hmm. Young team. Like I said, they've been playing really good footy. They're exciting and, boy, they're going to be scary next year or two. But, yeah, just something that I have little in me, in me waters. Yep. And I've... You know, being pretty close the last few. We got but doggies last week. We got a few right last week. Something just tells me this is. And you look at again. You look at history, and history generally stacks up in these. You starts history all you want. It generally stacks up. That's why you know there's. That's why they're only four twenty instead of ten bucks. Because the book is like, oh shit. You know, look at the history. Look at this. Look at that. It's generally a lot closer than you think. So, yeah, maybe a sneaky little bet on Gold Coast at four twenty on a cheeky Saturday night or just watch the game and maybe go Gold Coast at uh, the line at 27.5. The other Saturday night game is the second leg of a Sunday night fizzer. St Kilda 
are going to try and play out the rest of the season for some unknown reason because they have all gone home and possibly on to other careers. And Hawthorne are the very unbackable $1.16 favourites. The line here, 33.5. Hawthorne have won four straight games. Everyone around them is falling apart and they are just strolling into a potential top four finish. Baz, can St Kilda do us all a great favour? and put the Uppity Hawks fans back in their box. Well, let's say, so you go back through probably from halfway through the year, whenever a team's been spooked by the media, that week they generally come out and lose. So, you know, it's, it's been Collingwood, it's been uh, West Coast, it's been Melbourne, it's been GWS. So does this happen now? Like, does this happen securely again? Like, they, they're speed, they've got speed, but they absolutely butcher the footy. So they were in the game for periods against Essendon, but they just, they just killed themselves with disposal... But then you also look at a few things going on around the ground and, you see, and they're just not putting in. They're not, they're not, I don't think they're fully there. So I, I think Hawthorne should get the job done. But but can they turn up? Because they, like, they have won games. And when they, the games they have won, they've turned up, they've done the defensive stuff, they've done the little, the little things well. And they've shown up once they do that. You can butcher it and get away with it, but also the speed papers over the cracks. Yeah. And like, they've got some, like, I think Marshall's going to be a good find for them. And, you know, the Ruckman, I think his name is Pierce, is, 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 considering he's been playing Franks and VFL, how St Kilda let him slip, and he, he, he show he show more than Hickey and Longer that has this year for me. But yeah, I, like they got lots of speed. But I think just Hawthorne's class for the midfield, and you know Blue going and your Mitchells, your Mir- Mirrors. I think Roughhead might be back for this game. Uh, you know the back you know, Smith and that's the bloke. They're just it has got too much class for me throughout the the whole like, the lineup. With the uh, Essendon game, we were concerned about. The pace versus Hawthorne and Hawthorne said, nah, yeah, they, we can deal with that as well. They blocked out that run. They stopped yeah. that run. And it's the same with St. Kilda. They put a bit of pressure on their kicking. They'll butcher it enough. And I think they get, they get scored heavily on turnovers, St. Kilda. And this will just continue. Hawthorne will be well prepared. They know, they know if they win this week, they're pretty much locked up a top four spot, which is massive for where they come from. So I'll be back in a win. I wouldn't touch the line. line's pretty big. Yeah. Tipping Hawthorne and, and, as I said, banking those brandy points because it won't be worth watching... The only little wrinkle, if you're a Saints fan and you're looking for a, some hope and you know one final win for the year, is that they have played at Etihad nine times and they've split four games each with a draw. So perhaps you know the unfamiliar confines of Etihad for Hawthorne may play a role, but realistically, Hawthorne win this and uh, they're back in the the top four. Unfortunately, it was funny. There was a bit of a tweet on the over the week saying that Melbourne's dropped from being the number one most livable city in the world to number two. Yeah. And Twitter was split between this is because Richmond won the grand final last year versus this is because Hawthorne's back in the top four. <laughs> Both terrible things for Melbourne, apparently. All right, Sunday. It is an ordinary round of footy, I reckon. Well, you said, we said that last week and it turned out being a great round no, of footy. No, we said no, the last two weeks have been good because yeah. there's been lots of eight-shapers kind of thing. But this round, apart from probably two games, is... Pretty unwatchable. <laughs> Speaking say, of unwatchable, yeah. we've got Carlton versus the Doggies. And as much as we can bank the Doggies doing something good and being running gun and gritty and doing the things that they do where they play well, we cannot bank on anything from Carlton. So, Baz, my only question is, is there a reason to watch this game on Sunday? No. Um, the only thing I can think of is uh, Carlton not score 60 points, but all they, all they score their average against 61-75. It's... The only thing I can think of is just a money perspective and just watching the game for pure money interest. Because, yeah, look, so, look I know I, was, I shouldn't be bashing the, 
game because you're going to get it in all fixtures. But yeah, some of these games this week obviously don't mean a lot in you know in the scheme of things for the season. This game is one of them. The Doggy's been pretty good for the last two two three weeks. This is when they generally drop off. Carlton probably looking for the season to end. They're just hoping, to, you know, they're looking forward to their barley and Fiji and uh, you know wherever else Thailand trips. But yeah, I'd I'd be very surprised if the doggies didn't win after how they played last week. But then you got to be careful because they obviously got themselves up and they might just have that little drop off this week. But yeah, I just reckon yeah, doggies surely win, surely win, and I'd just be I'd probably go yeah, Carlton sixty one seventy five points and just yeah, that's about it. Two dollars yep. eighty eight. I found a little uh, quirky one in my quarter-by-quarter quarter bets. So the first 19 rounds, Western Bulldogs were averaging 14 points in third quarters. That's last. Dead last. Worse than Essendon. Rounds 20 and 21, so when they played St Kilda and North Melbourne, they've averaged 52 points in third quarters, best in the league. Carlton can't win a qu- any quarter of football, let alone game. So you can take the Doggies to win the third quarter by a cent and a half, paying $1.92. Finally, we get ourselves back to another eight shaper. It's prime time Sunday, three twenty. Eight shaper, top two shaper, pseudo elimination final. It's all on the cards here. If you fly over to Optus Stadium, West Coast, the hosts are a dollar sixty-two favourites. Melbourne, the capital P pretenders. They've been beaten up in the media and by me all week, Baz. But there is only one question that matters this week, and that is. Can Melbourne beat a top eight side? Um, look, they're going to come out hard and they're going to show a bit in the first quarter. I think if the West Coast Eagles can withstand that and uh, not let the game blow out too much and keep it pretty even or if they kick a few goals against the Ds, it's, it's probably going to be over pretty quickly. Uh, I just can't see how Melbourne kick their goals. I know Jesse Hogan hasn't been a massive goal kicker, but he's he a ta- focal point. He ta- yeah, he takes that number one defender off, off um, McDonald. McDonald's going to get number one defender. And then, yeah, I, I, I seriously don't know. And I can't see their game plan changing either. Their game plan all year has been just kick it high and slow. Yeah. Just box kick it out of contests. It just means their midfielders are need to kick more goals. And I, I don't know which of their midfielders are going to do it versus West Coast who have, you know, Kennedy's probably another week away and, you know, obviously Gaff's out, but all-round team again. It almost allows Mitch McGovern to go forward, which is real dangerous for Melbourne because I don't think they have a, a defense. Like we saw Franklin could have easily have torn Melbourne apart. Like he missed he five or six points. They don't have a good defensive system. We've talked about that. So, you know, I, I really feel that Melbourne could get done by at least 20 or 30 points here. So I went West Coast 1-39 and, 39 and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be going that way. And at the end of the day, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Melbourne won. Because they've been bashing me, they'll be getting up for it and stuff like that, and they'll make finals. But I get pumped first week finals anyway. But if they, yeah, I, I doubt it. Like, I really do doubt it. So, there's another hoodoo for the DC who have come here. They've lost 17 of their past 18 trips to Perth, and Eagles have won nine of their last 11 matches at Optus Stadium. Was it last year they won that game against, against West Coast at, 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 at Subi? Yeah. With that Tom McDonald goal late? Yeah. Was that the game? Yeah. That was the one game. The one right? game. So. Yeah, history doesn't stack up well. But they probably, they probably, literally, they probably would have watched that game just for a bit of a G up. Like, I, I shit you not, they would have got you. The coaches would have got him in. Show this is what we can do. This is what we're capable of. But I will tell you what, West Coast were a different team last year than they are this time this year. Absolutely. And so are Melbourne's. I'm very concerned for the D's that are laid out. They're they're no good against the top top nine sides. 
West Coast, at least a top three, if not a top two side. They're going to get thumped, in my opinion. Everything's in West Coast favour here. The travel, the home crowd, which is essentially is the fourth umpire over there. Yep. Five bucks for 40 plus is pretty tasty odds of mine. Yep. And I think I've shown the stats this week to show that they were not much chop. So well, West Coast, we're having lots of uncontested marks, and that's what Melbourne needs to be up on. So if they're allowed to have those uncontested marks and move the footy the way they move the footy, then, yeah, that could be trouble. To round out, unfortunately for footy fans, we've said this week's a bit average, and we apologise. It's not our fault, but I feel like we should apologise as part of the footy, footy world. Sunday comes to an end with a dead rubber. Pour one out for Adelaide. Pour one out for North. Their seasons are done. But can we trust both these clubs to play for 2019? Or is this a game to stay away from? Game to stay away from. Adelaide should win. No text after his, after his tackle gets two weeks. I really think that this will help Adelaide, which has been proven this year when Tex hasn't played. Watch Hugh Green will probably play more forward or they bring back Fogarty. They'll be a bit more dynamic in the fall. I'm not as dependent on him. I, I think this year he's been really poor and I've oh, baked on it heaps and like nothing against him again personally, but this hasn't been there. They're, for whatever reason, hasn't been playing the style of footy that he can play. And I think the media, again, pump him up to be something he's not and that's not his fault. Um, but I think this opens up yeah, a bit more, a bit more openness for Adelaide, and just don't have, don't think North have the the cattle to go with them. And proven last week with North, and I think North are almost waiting for getting to the point where now where they're waiting for the season end as well. So, a few of those older bodies, and we saw how Western Bulldogs played last week. Adelaide played pretty much the same, where they you know like to use a hit up, especially that Taylor Walker there. It means that they won't just go long, and that, that sort of footy means that uh, they'll open North up a bit. Can definitely agree with that. And, uh, yeah, home ground advantage as well, but definitely a game to stay away from as a punter because you probably can't trust either of these. Once two teams check out this close to the end of the year, it's very hard to see what will turn up on the weekend. The second last time this home away season of the AFL season of 2018, our feature bets... As we mentioned before, back in the black as of last week, so get on board. We start off with our most likely to win our best bets. We have Western Bulldogs to win the third quarter against Carlton by 7.5 points or more. They're the best third quarter side of the last fortnight. That's paying $1.92. Sydney to win against the Giants in the Battle of the Bridge 15, paying $2.15. Hopefully Buddy will kick a bag this time. Value bets, we've got Port Adelaide to score between 61 and 75, continuing their low-scoring trend, paying $2.80 against Collingwood, and Richmond to win their Friday night clash against the old foe Essendon between 20 and 39 points is paying $3.60. And we get towards our rough end now, West Coast, to prove that my five pillars of good footy is in fact a very true philosophy. West Coast to win by 40 plus is $5 of value and our multi for this week, which is going to get up. It's going to get up before the end of the season, so be on board. West Coast to win head-to-head. Sydney to win by 1 to 39 and Carlton to score between 61 and 75 more points is paying $13.40 of pure, pure value. Thanks again for a great pod, Baz. Thanks, Good luck mate. on the weekend. You too, mate. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. Good boys. Go to times.